All right. Well, as we um, continue in the book of Nehemiah, as you heard in the, in the reading, as Deanna read it, is, uh, it's a celebration. Uh, he says, she says, it's not a day to mourn, it's a day to celebrate. And, and the reason why is, if you've been with us in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a book about building a wall. That's what most people think of the book. That's what it is about. But it is so much more than that. It's about the, peop- it's the building of the people of God. It's the people of God and the city of God on mission for God. As we've seen, as we've watched through this uh, almost every week, there's a sense in which God is doing something with this people by building this wall. And so today we come to the celebration of the fact that the wall is complete. And so I want to read that. If you have your Bibles with me, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. And so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And so this is why they were celebrating, as we heard from Nehemiah 8, that the wall was finished. That Remember, Nehemiah, he heard about what was happening in Jerusalem, that the city was in disgrace. The people were in disgrace. Their faith was in disgrace. They had no wall. They had no gates to to promote culture and justice. And now Nehemiah has come down, and in 52 days, they built the wall. It's amazing. In fact, somebody noticed that we've actually been preaching Nehemiah longer than 52 days. It took them a shorter amount of time than we've been preaching it to build the wall. Um, but But 52 days. And what do we notice, right, from the get-go that this, here was this situation that was in shambles, and yet the people of God have shown up and have said, we are going together do something that God's calling us to do so that we can be established again as the people of God on mission for the Lord. Now, this is Nehemiah's book, right? It's his journal. We've talked about this a few times. It's written in first person. Uh, And so this book is called Nehemiah, but this book is about so much more than just Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was the one who organized and gathered the leader, but we see leaders and other leaders that were established. In fact, if you jump to chapter 7, verse 1, now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah the governor of the castle charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. They all jumped in together. Now, the people of God in Nehemiah, all, all of them, except for a few that we looked at a few weeks ago, jump in and say, we're going to serve. We're going to build this wall. We're going to set the gates. We're going to set the bolts to build that protection as a city. But more than that, so that we can flourish as the people of God. And they all jumped in. And in fact, um, I'm going to skip it today, but the rest of chapter 7 is all the names of all the people. If you want to read all the names of all the people who built the wall and who were there in Jerusalem, you can read it. He he wrote it down. Why? He wrote it down because this is more than just a building of a wall. It is a building of a community. It is a recognition that everyone jumped in. And in 52 days, they had this wall built and the city established. It took everyone engaging in, um, in this work. And I think what a beautiful picture of a gospel community that everyone is participating, everyone is jumping in, everyone is serving. People are using their gifts. We have people who are not necessarily using their gifts. They're a perfumer, but they're out there building the wall. They're serving because of God's redemptive plan for the people of God. What a picture. 
the people of God participating in the mission of God. And the truth is, because of that, amazing things happen. Over the last few weeks, um, as you can probably imagine, I've been spending a lot of time reflecting on the last 11 years as I've been here. Uh, And what I've reflected on, honestly, more than not, has been the spirit of participation through and through in this church. Uh, Of the amount of people who have served in countless ways over the last 11 years, uh, serving in kids, my own kids included, who, who when we got here, they were two, three, and five. Now they're 13, 14, and 16. And they've been taught, they've been discipled, they've been ministered to over and over and over again, week in and week out. And, and 11 years later, this is not their parents' church. This is their church because of the participation of people in our church who have served and loved them. I reflect on the, the camps, the many camps and things we've done uh, at Willapond, which used to be, or it's now called the Hive Apartment Complex. Our TV has a thing where it's connected to Mandy's phone somehow and where photos come up when the TV is, you know, muted or whatever. So we get all these photos and lately all these photos have come up uh, of the camps that we've done at, at Willapond and at the Hive and the fall festivals that we did at Hotchkiss where we were engaged in serving. These kids who are taller than me now were like this big in those pictures. And those pictures come up and they remind me again of just the way that we, again, as a church have participated in White Rock, for White Rock, through so many opportunities. And we have another one next week with Hotchkiss as we continue that. Another opportunity with Northwest Community Center and refugees coming up in just a few weeks. Um, The pictures that come up oftentimes are of the mission trips that we've taken to Costa Rica with many of you who have used your gifts in such a unique context. Uh, I think about the countless number of mornings, Thursday mornings at 6.15 a.m. that we've gathered as men for men's discipleship. I do not take pictures at 6.15 a.m. on Thursday mornings. I don't have those. Um, But I think of that time gathering in the word and praying for each other. I think of small groups, classes, worship services. I I was trying to think, I wish I had a counting of all the worship services that Clayton and I have done together, whether that's worship services or weddings or funerals and all of it together um, over the last 20 years. Now, two churches planted, missionaries sent, and supported financially. I wish I had a list like Nehemiah 7 of every single person. I would read that list. Uh, Who has served, who has participated, who has given of themselves for the work of God in this church. Amazing things have happened because of that. Um, And God has been glorified. And like the reading said, it's worthy of praising God and celebrating what God has done. But secondly, I also want to notice something that they said. They, they said something that's unique. They said, the enemies were afraid. I want to read verse 16 again. And when our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid, and they fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived, listen, that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Now, I love this. If you remember last week, we looked at the fact that the enemies, the nations around Israel were actually taunting the people of God. They were like, look at this people. They have this temple, but they don't have homes. They don't have a wall. They don't have gates to have culture. And not only that, they're exploiting each other in the midst of a famine, as we looked at last week. And so the other nations, it says, are taunting them. But now, they're shaking in their boots. Why? Because they perceived that this work in 52 days had been accomplished with the help of their God. They're like, if God can build a city back up with this people all unified together in 52 days, then we better be afraid of these people. 
Because what else could they do? They could do anything. This is, and, and notice he says, they have something we don't have. What is it? It's God. They have God. Remember Nehemiah 1, the city was in disgrace. Their faith was in disgrace. All the enemies around them are like, that's place. And now they're going, woo, they have the Lord and his power. They have something that we don't have, which is God working together, watching God do miraculous things. So here they are, they're all working together. God's hand was evident in everything that God had done in these 52 days to build up the city. And again, as I reflect on the last 11 years, it would be short-sighted to only reflect on all the people that have made this happen. The truth is, all this has been accomplished by God. We know this, and we've seen God's hand on our church over and over and over again. And I can say with full confidence, we've seen God do amazing things. We've seen God do miracles uh, time and time again. And we've seen God do things that maybe we wouldn't call miracles, but like kids trusting in Christ and getting baptized last, like last week. We've seen this over and over again where the miracles that God is doing, we've, I've seen relationships restored. I've seen faithfulness in the midst of brokenness. We've seen faithfulness in the midst of dying, walking with the Lord to the end. God has been evident and is very evident in this church. He's at work. They're all working together and God's hand is on it. Now, after they built the wall, I love their response because they are amazed that 52 days, the work of the people and the work of God and their response is to worship. Look at this, uh, uh, look at this in chapter eight, Nehemiah chapter eight. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. And so Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Jump down to verse five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all people, for he was above all the people. And as he stood, it all, it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I love what they did. They just watched God do something amazing in 52 days. And they worship. They immediately bow down and say, this is something that we need to praise God for. And remember, this is the people who have been in exile. These are the people who have not really had the the law. They have not really had this opportunity to worship. And so what do they want? They want to hear the word of God read. They want to hear what it means to be the people of God. And, and I love this because I, I think, of course, we want to, to respond and say, God, we worship you for all you've done. We do this all the time in our own lives. Something happens and we go, God, thank you for this, for coming through in this way that I didn't know if you would. I didn't know if you would provide. I didn't know if this thing would happen. And we worship him. But what I also love about this is they take this approach to the word of God. That they want to hear the word. Why? Because they remember and, are, and recognize that they're the people of God. And as the people of God, they want to live like the people of God. And how do they do that? Unless they know the word of God that they could submit themselves to it. And so they worship and they celebrate, but they also say, we want to obey the word of God and be who God has called us to be. 
Chapter 8 goes on to say that the Levites took time to explain the word to them. They wanted to know how to obey God's word. Like I said, like we heard in the reading, this was not a time to mourn, but a time to celebrate. And as they hear the word, as they look at what God has done, and as they recognize, re-afresh who they are as the people of God, they said, we want to obey the Lord. And just like for the people of God and the city of God, the wall being built is not the end of the story. In fact, it's kind of the beginning. It's a re-beginning. They're saying, hey, we have now built the wall. Now we can be the people of God in this way moving forward. This, this celebrating to be able to move forward. They're looking back to what God has done so that they can look forward to say, we know that God will be with us as the people of God. And just like it was for them, it's obviously not the end of the story for White Rock either. This is an inflection point to celebrate. But God has done amazing things as we have celebrated and will celebrate at White Rock Fellowship. And God will continue to do amazing things in White Rock Fellowship and through White Rock Fellowship. And God alone is worthy of all praise and all glory. They give him the glory as they've worked together. So they're all working together. They see God's clear work in their midst. In celebration, they worship God. They obey the word of God. But then what happens is they're starting to understand the word again as they recognize something in the word that they're supposed to be doing. Look with me. Verse 13. Chapter 8, verse 13. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra, the scribe, in order to study the words of the law. And they found in it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths or tabernacles during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So what is this? There, there are people who have been in exile who have not really had the word of God. And as they hear the word of God, they recognize it's the seventh month. And what they are supposed to be doing is celebrating the feast of booze or the feast of tabernacles. Now, what is that? Read with me. Keep going. Verse 16. So the people went out and they brought them and they made booze for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in their courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day, the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Now, what is this? They read the word and they recognize there's something they're supposed to be doing at around this time in the year. And what they're supposed to be doing is the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, which is this feast where they would basically go out and create and make a tent, if you will or a tabernacle, a dwelling place. They'd make it with sticks, they make it, and they put olive branches over it and live in that for seven days. They'd go out there and move. It'd be kind of like going out and go camping as a family. It's like you're moving out and you're saying, okay, we're gonna go do this and, and use this as an experience to be together. But here's why they would do that. It was meant to remind them of their ultimate dependence, of where their dependence is truly found. It's not found in their home, it's not found in this newly you know, fortified wall that they just built even. The wall was for their protection, but that's not where their dependence was found. It was found in the Lord. And so they would go out and they would build these things as a way to say, this is how God, God is providing, no matter if we're at home 
or if we are living in a tabernacle or living in a tent. And it was meant to remind them, especially of the, of the 40 years of wilderness, when the people of God were waiting for the promised land, that they were living in these fragile dwellings for 40 years. And yet, even in that trial, God provided. God was with them. The tabernacle, God's presence. And so there's something about this feast that I think, again, the people of God in this moment are, are going, you know what? We just built a wall here in 52 days. Are we really going to go to trouble to building this tent to move out of our homes for seven days and to live this way? Why would we do that? But they don't do that. They immediately say, yes, we need to be reminded of where our dependence truly lies. This is a tangible display of their dependence. This would be like us intentionally turning off our electricity, intentionally turning everything off and being like, okay, we're going to live for seven days so that we can be reminded that the comforts and the Wi-Fi and the electricity and the hot water and the things that we, that we rely on or depend upon are, are really not what we depend upon. Anyone else remember the rollouts a couple years ago uh, when we all kind of had to live that way? The, the reality is, even when it feels like everything is good, even when it feels like everything is comfortable, even when it feels like everything is, oh, everything is good and we're doing great, we need to be reminded of where our dependence lies. It lies solely on the Lord. And even while they just, they could be like, man, look at this ingenuity we took to build this wall in 52 days. They could have easily done that. You could have easily said, this wall is now our protection. But no, they, they pause and they say, for seven days, we're going to be reminded that this wall, yes, is for our protection, but that's not where our dependence lies. It lies solely in the Lord. And for some of us, we're, we're in a spot of, of comfort. Things are kind of good, and it's kind of hard to, to even really think about dependence. We need to be reminded that our dependence solely lies in the Lord. Others of us, we may be in the midst of a trial or, or a challenging situation where it just feels like it's just kind of next step, next step. It just continues to be a challenge. And remember, this feast was meant to remind them of the time where 40 years they walked in the wilderness. They walked in the midst of a trial, and yet God was faithful to them. They were dependent upon God. The feast of booths was meant to remind them of who they're really dependent upon. Now, I think about this time where they have the new wall and they have the excitement. The nations are, are saying, ooh, this, they have the Lord. And yet they took this time to say, we want to be obedient to what God has called us to do. We want to step out and want to recognize that we can only trust God. And if we don't, that wall could be knocked down in a minute. We only trust in him. Now, the benefit of, of being believers in Jesus on this side of, of Christ and the story of Nehemiah is that we know the whole story. And remember, Jesus, fully God, fully man, he, he came and he dwelt among us. That word dwelt is tabernacled among us, his, his presence among us. Why? To remind us, to remind us that we are dependent solely on the work of God solely on the work of what Christ has done for us. And we, we have our own feast. We don't have to move out of our homes for seven days, but every week we partake in a feast that in many ways it is what the, it reminds us of what this story is. 
this feast celebrates that we are only here, we are only the people of God because of what God has done. And it calls us to a response of worship, of bowing down to the Lord. But not only that, a recognition that our calling is to be obedient to God as the people of God. To say, what does the word say? I want to, as they said in, in Nehemiah 8, we want to understand what the word says so we can live out who it means to be the people of God. And it reveals to us that we are solely dependent upon the work of Christ. And like it was for them, it's an opportunity to look back so that we can look forward. As we look back on what Christ has done for us, dying in our place, the death that we deserved, but dying in our place so that we can look forward and know that his faithfulness then will be his faithfulness now and will be his faithfulness in the future. Every time we take communion, that's what we're doing. It's our feast. It's our tangible display of our dependence upon God and of his faithfulness to us. Let's pray and prepare our hearts for communion. Father, we, um, we thank you for the story of Nehemiah and all that you did in that time and sort of put ourselves in those shoes, though it's such a different time. And yet we resonate with your faithfulness to them and your faithfulness to us. Your faithfulness to, to build up the people of God. Your faithfulness to redeem a broken situation where the city and the people were in shambles. And yet, Lord, in 52 days, you built it back and showed who the people of God are supposed to be. And Lord, we can't help but think of that and be reminded of our Savior, Jesus, who came and dwelt among us and that his life and his death and his resurrection has redeemed us out of the shambles and has made us the people of God. And because his death was what we deserved, was in our place. Now we have life. And Lord, we have all that comes with being your people and your children. And Lord, I pray that this act of taking communion today would be just that, a a feast of remembering that our dependence is solely on you whether we're walking through a time of just relative comfort or, or seem, seeming ease of life or we're walking through a really challenging trial where it feels like things are being, the rug's being pulled out from under us, this is a reminder of your faithfulness. This is a reminder that our, what we have received in you is everything we need for life and for godliness and that your faithfulness will endure to the end when we will be with you in eternity forever. And so Lord, I pray that this taking of communion today would be uh, a looking back to look forward, a looking back at what Christ has done for us, the looking forward in remembrance of your faithfulness to us now and in the future. May we trust in you. May we live lives of surrender and faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.